All right. Well, hey, hey, everybody. Well, uh, you know, week nine of Pursuit for Purpose is here and we are ready to bring it. <laughs> have had some uh, interesting ways to start off our meeting here today. But guys, I hope that all of you have had a, a great new year. It's been off to a great start and that you're beginning to build upon and formulate the dreams, goals and the visions that you have for 2022. You can be in a completely different place one year from now if you just choose to take action on the things that you can control. Thank you to everybody for being here live and thank you to everybody that'll listen at a different time and all the downloads and the support from the previous episodes. It doesn't go unnoticed and I'm, I'm beyond thankful for everybody. You know, Pursuit for Purpose brings the world's most passionate athletes together in a collaborative environment to encourage our goals and aspirations. But using the teachings and the principles of the greatest minds before us, we'll give our athletes the foundations to build the rest of their lives and become champions of character. Every week, we'll be joined by a guest that is already in process of their own journey and their walk in life. And we'll discuss a particular pillar of success, but ultimately, we'll talk about growth, knowledge, and application in general. I hope that the information received today sparks a desire in you to move towards your best abilities and the goals that you're seeking, because we've got to take action now on the things that we can change that will pave the way towards our vision. If there's any additional way that I can be of service, please reach out and we can create a more detailed plan for helping you reach your goals. The topic for this week is character. As the mission for P uh, Pursuit for Purpose grows, we'll follow less of a cycle of the previous topics fitting a particular order and focus more on what the guests can bring us in value. Most of the principles and foundations of growth and personal development lead right into one another. I'm constantly evaluating, you know, what we can do to bring more value to you as people. And there'll be some additional suggestions in coming weeks for ways to engage and help build the community that we're starting to grow together. Character, in definition, is the mental or moral qualities distinctive to an individual. Now, I do not know about you, but when it comes down to the mental and moral qualities of me as a person, I want them to be at the highest level that they can be but that does not come on accident. It comes with forging those qualities through consistent actions. Helen Keller is quoted in saying, character cannot be developed in ease and quiet. Only through experience of trial and suffering can the soul be strengthened, ambition inspired, and success achieved. The best of who we are is out there waiting, but it takes strength of forging our character through the flames of life to find out what it truly is. This week, we're joined by a guest that has his name written in the history books of college softball. He has a career record of 1,097, 311, which is a crazy high winning percentage, and is going on his 23rd year at the University of Alabama. He and his team won a national championship in 2012, have been to 22 consecutive NCAA regional tournaments, and have been to the College World Series 13 times. And just this past December, he was inducted into the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame. Better than all of those accolades is the way they have gone about achieving that success and the mindset behind his teams. I'm going to go ahead and let him share some of that information with you today. Please welcome the University of Alabama head softball coach, Patrick Murphy. Patrick, appreciate you so much being on and, and dealing with everything that we have going on. Again, thank you so much for being on today. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It. Absolutely. My pleasure. My pleasure. Well, um, you know, I, I kind of want to jump right into everything for ourselves today and get right into these uh, these questions and get you on going. But coach, can you can you take a couple seconds and tell us why does character play such an important role in your program? Well, I think it's huge because, you know, I, I'm a firm believer. And if you build better people, you will build better athletes, better teams. And then obviously better winning teams, but it, I think it starts with the person first and the athlete second. And we have said this from day one, since I've had my, um, my job at Alabama and I've been really, really lucky to have my associate head coach for every year since I've been at Alabama, she's going on year 24, Allison habits. And, um, she's the mother Teresa of college softball. Uh, just it's a great lady. Uh, my pitching coach, Stephanie Van Brakel, pro throw. She actually played for me at Alabama and she's going on year 13 or 12, I think. So it's a staff that's been together for a while. But we have said from day one, if we're going to miss on a kid, it will be on talent and not character. Wow. So 
we might take a kid that, you know, she's a really good softball player, but she's a really great person. We're not going to take a softball player. That's a heck of a talent and not a very good person. That's just, that's not going to, and I think, you know, and some of your listeners might be saying, well, he can say that because he's been at the school for 25 years, but honestly, you know, I've had people ask for advice at the beginning of their careers. And that would be the advice that I would give them. Don't, and, and young head coaches in division one sports, you can see it. Um, they'll recruit uh, maybe not so good character. And in a couple of years, they're out of a job. And it's just, obviously it's not worth it, especially when they have a five or six year contract and the school is giving them time. So for us, it's huge. And I think if we, when we build better people, we will win more games. It's just a byproduct of that. And I think that's, that's one of our, the traits of our program. And if you, if you look through our history, you know, we're not, we're not getting five star kids. We're getting a couple of five stars and then fours and threes and twos. And, you know, they get together as a team and they, they win as a team because I, I think they're, they're really, really good people. That's, that's awesome. And that actually, I mean, you know, flows right into our, our, our next question, which is, you know, what do you look for in a, in a player as a person when you bring them to the university of Alabama? Well, we do, um, you know, our recruiting, um, trips or, you know, visits, I guess, um, in softball, you cannot, um, talk to a young lady until September 1st of her junior year. So that rule was changed a couple of years ago and it was getting way out of hand. And, you know, I feel bad for a, a lot of uh, young kids that, you know, they're getting recruited as eighth graders and it's just, they're not ready for that. So I was really glad when softball did change the rule. So when they come to Alabama, um, it's usually mom, dad, and the, the young lady, and we're in our clubhouse and I have probably 20 to 25 questions that I ask every kid. And what's kind of cool is we're in our clubhouse and on the other side of a wall is the locker room. And every young lady that is currently in that locker room knows exactly what the recruit is going through because they've been through those questions. And the girls on the team right now, they call it the hot seat, which to me, I never call it the hot seat, but that's what they did. Anyway, um, almost none of the questions are about softball batting average, ERA, whatever. Uh, I had a mom a couple of years ago stop me about halfway through and she said, you haven't asked what uh, my daughter's batting average was. <laughs> and, you know, I, I was kind of surprised and I said, you know, she wouldn't be sitting there. If she didn't have a good batting average. So <laughs> let's keep going. And, you know, the, the mom shook her head and, and really didn't say a question after that or didn't say anything. And, um, it's just, we want to know what's inside the kid. Okay. So we can see when we go by, when we recruit them, that they can run, they can field, they can throw, they can hit all that. You, anybody on this call could probably walk by a field and say that kid is an athlete, whether it's a gym, a football field, whatever, but we want to know what's inside them because I, I want to know what makes the kid tick. I want to know what uh, motivates her. Um, I want to know all of that. So those questions that we ask really kind of paint a picture of who we're getting as a person. So one, and I'll, I'll give you a, um, an example. And one of my favorites is this one. So I'll say, do you know what an intangible is? And sometimes they'll say yes. And sometimes they say no, and that's fine. So then I'll tell them, you know, what an intangible is and, um, my whole staff played for me at one point. So, and they've gone through this too. So I'll say, do you understand now after describing what an intangible is? And they usually say yes. And then I, the next question is, okay, if you come to Alabama, what type of intangible would you bring to our softball family? And I learned in a, um, a seminar that I went to a couple of years ago. Um, it was on communication and asking questions and stuff like that. And one of the sayings that they said that stuck with me was embrace the pause as a speaker. Instead of trying to just 
verbally throw up all the time. Just be quiet for a second, gather your thoughts and embrace the pause. So I'll say to the young lady, okay, you understand what an intangible is? And she'll say, yes, sir. And I said, okay, so if you come to Alabama, what type of intangible would you bring? And the room basically goes silent for about five to 10 seconds because the kid is thinking, and that's what we want her to do. We don't want her to answer right away. So nobody says a word, you know, if it takes 20 seconds, it takes 20 seconds. It's okay. But when I tell you, you guys, some of the answers, I, I've almost jumped out of my chair and hugged the kid and said, let's go. Cause it's been an, just incredible. Um, and it tells you a lot about a kid, you know, and, it, and if I was a, a coach for really any other sport, doesn't matter high school, whatever. When, um, if you have one-on-one -on -one meetings, you know, before season starts, that's a good question to ask. And it's a really good question to ask a potential employer too. If you're, if you're hiring people for a job, you know, what type of intangible would you bring to our school, our university, our whatever? And um, some of the answers are going to blow you away. So that, that's one of my favorites. Another one is um, what type of life lesson? have you learned from mom or dad? And that's when the parents start to sweat because both parents look at the kid like, oh boy, what is she going to say? And some of those answers have also been just unbelievable because then, you know, I'm sitting there saying that's the type of kid that I want in my program with that answer, because it's going to tell you a lot about, you know, how she was raised, um, you know, and, I, I despise a sense of entitlement. I just, I hate that. Um, I don't want that in my program. Um, and you can kind of sense that as well with some of the answers. If, uh, if the young lady is entitled right now, and that's a tough one to get, her, to get away from, but um, those questions when we sit there uh, are really, really meaningful to us. And, you know, the answers have been, just terrific over the years. And, you know, some kids have actually basically recruited us from those answers. And, you know, we, when we're, we're done with that and um, the coaches will get together and like, we got to have her. And, you know, that's kind of how we, that's built, how we build our program really from, you know, answering, asking all those questions. And then obviously we do our research and call the high school coach and call the summer ball coach and, Anybody that knows her, we try to get, you know, as much as we can, because we, we want to know what's inside them before they get here. And then as a sidebar to that, we have something called intangible week when they get to school. So they all know what an intangible is because they've all been asked that question. And then I will warn them. And usually it's, it's probably going to be about a week because uh, we haven't started practice yet. We don't start school at Alabama until uh, the 12th. So uh, maybe it'll be on a Thursday and then I'll say to everybody, and we have a classroom setting at our stadium where we have video and computer and all, all that stuff. And everybody has assigned seats. And before practice, we usually go in our classroom. They sit down. Uh, we talk about any announcements, whatever, um, anybody has any questions, go over a little bit of practice. And then we try to do a life lesson. We do some sort of, we watch a video, um, character has been a topic, uh, grit, mudita, resiliency, rejection, legacy, you know, all kinds of stuff. But they'll be sitting in the classroom and I'll say, okay, on Saturday morning, I'm going to ask what your intangible is going to be for the year. The older girls know what I'm talking about. The freshmen, they understand what an intangible is, but they don't know this activity. And then, so I'll say to everybody, I'm going to ask everybody what your intangible is going to be. And you're going to say in front of everybody, usually one or two sentences, um, my intangible will be, and then they're going to fill in the blank. And they come up to the front of the room and there's 20 young ladies on the roster. So we'll have 20 um, intangibles and they'll have a, a chance, two chances to make sure that it's correct. So when they say it in front of the team, I'm writing it down. And then I actually say it back to them. And I said, is this what you said? And 
maybe sometimes I'll get it wrong or whatever, and she'll correct me. And then on Sunday, I'll have it on a, um, a big piece of paper and I'll write it out. And then I'll go through it again and I'll say, okay, Chris, is this what you want? John, is this what you want? Kevin, is this what you want? And if everybody gives me a thumbs up, the next week it goes on a major poster board and it's a, a permanent thing in our uh, clubhouse. And it's a great way to hold people accountable, number one, because you've set it in front of everybody. This is my intangible. And I'll give you an example of, of a couple. Like uh, when we won the national championship and Jackie Trainer was the pitcher, her intangible was when the shit hits the fan, I'm going to bring a calming, uh, inf positive influence to the infield. And if you ever watched her, she did that. She was absolutely that, that way. And, you know, when we won the national championship in the final game, we were up five to three in the seventh inning and she gave up a solo home run to make it five to four. The camera and the um, jumbotron in Oklahoma city there. I mean, you can't do anything without a camera on you. Okay. So she gives up the home run. She turns around, all the infielders come in and her, all you see on the scoreboard is her face because the camera has zeroed in on the pitcher's face, right? Well, she's got a big smile on her face. Coach Murphy from five years before that would have gone out and, and probably yelled at her. But thank God that wasn't Coach Murphy that year because I remember what her intangible was. And when the you-know-what hits the fan, Jackie's going to be calm and positive. That was her personality. It wasn't that she didn't care that she gave up a home run like some people would think. It wasn't that she was laughing in the World Series. No, that was what her intangible was. She strikes out the next girl on three pitches looking and we win the national championship. So um, one other girl that's just one of my all-time favorites, hers was, I'm going to bring supreme joy every single day when I step on the field. She did that. Absolutely. Uh, she was a role player. She was a backup catcher, but that was her job and she played it to perfection. So you can't just, you know, have them say this once at the beginning of the preseason and then never go back to it again. So usually during the season, two or three times, I'll bring the, the intangible poster board into that meeting and I'll literally go up and down the roster and I'll read it out loud and I'll say, okay, Kirk says he's going to do this. Is he doing it? And then I ask for feedback and uh, it's a great way to hold kids accountable, you know, and obviously for coaches, if somebody says they're going to bring uh, supreme joy every single day to practice and she's Debbie the downer four out of the seven days, she ain't holding up her into the bargain, right? So that's a way for you to have a little intervention and say, is everything okay? And, you know, then you bring out your intangible and say, this is what you were going to bring to the team. And I don't think you're bringing that. So what, what's going on? So uh, it's been one of the most successful things we've done. And I know, I know everybody uh, looks forward to it as well. That's awesome. And, and coach, it just seems like such a culture builder, such a, like you said, the accountability factor of what gets to be brought to the table for each one of those players, knowing from each other, what, what they're expecting from each other. And, and it really seems like it points it more towards that direction of being a player led group than even a coaching led group. And uh, I, I, I got to give you some major props on being able to find that for yourself and be able to grow into that experience of where you're, you're giving these girls that much more power and in, in finding themselves as athletes and as people. And uh, also to yourself of just even recognizing that, Hey, five years ago, you know, coach Murphy wouldn't have done this, but just even recognizing how much we evolve as, as people and coaches year to year. And that has to happen because we have to improve upon our own experiences. So I think that's awesome. And again, you know, your answer leads right into some of the next stuff. Not, not only how, but you know, first, what is Mudita and how did it come to life in, in your coaching experience? Well, you know, it's, it's one of my favorite words and, 
everybody knows it is too. So um, <laughs> this is on my desk at home. And um, I think it was 2012 and over Christmas break, I was reading a book called Help the Helper. And if you guys are readers, um, it's a, and I just reread it a couple of months ago because it'd been a while, but um, it's by a MBA executive and a um, business professor. So it's a business sports book, but it's easy to read. It's not clinical at all. I wouldn't read it if it was, but um, for years and years and years, I would say to our team, if you can be happy for a teammate's success as if you did it yourself, the sky's the limit with this team. I mean, I would over and over and over say that. And it was so weird that several years we would have freshmen come in that would compete for the same spot, but also they'd end up being roommates. And I don't know how the hell it happened, but it happened several times. And I'm like, you know, I was like, I, I got to quit putting both shortstops together. I, I mean, I didn't know what, you know, so anyway, um, but can you be as happy for a teammate's success as if you did it yourself? So flash forward to 2012, um, reading the book and probably in like the second or third chapter, there was a, um, a paragraph and it started by saying, having vicarious joy in someone else's success. In other words, Mudita. And I, I couldn't believe it because I was like, holy crap, there's a word that the word that describes what we're trying to get our kids to do since day one. So I got on my phone and I typed it in and I was like, oh my gosh, there it is. Wikipedia, Mudita, M-U-D-I-T-A. And it's uh, Sanskrit and it comes from Buddhism. And I've looked into it so much more um, to the, to, in fact, um, Buddhist discover, um, um, they feel that it's one of the four immeasurable qualities that a human can possess. That's how big it is. It's immeasurable. So when I talk to my team about it, I always mention that. And I mean, it, if you look it up, it, it's, you know, it says there's so many things that if you can carry that with you in life, that you can overcome all kinds of things. And I haven't, I haven't even touched the surface with it tell you the truth but um you know and, and one of the greatest examples that i you know and i'll probably tell this to the team at our first team meeting i try to do it every single year that mudita is one of the things that make us one of the best programs in the country because the opposite of mudita is jealousy and envy and there's no english word that equals mudita but of course there's two opposites and it's jealousy and envy and in a team sport Envy is a dirty four letter word. And you all know what I'm talking about. And, you know, for an example, we had two shortstops and they're, they're trying to win the spot and they're roommates. And the one wins the spot. And lo and behold, after they graduate, they're both made of honors in each other's wedding. And somehow, some way, they stayed best of friends. And it, it, is, it is so cool to see when, you know, um, if, if you watch playoff baseball, you see it a lot. Your regular season, I don't know why, but you don't. But in the playoff start, you see it everywhere. You know, and one of the, the greatest examples of that was Charlie Morton this year with the Braves after he got hurt. They interviewed him and he said, it's so easy to root for everybody on this team. They're very likable. And what's, what's better than rooting for a teammate's success? And I, don't, I doubt that Charlie even knows what Medita is, but he described it perfectly which is kind of cool too. So it, it's been probably the biggest thing that's made us a winner year in and year out. Um, but I'll say to the team, okay, we're going to speak this into existence. So somebody hits a home run, the crowd goes crazy. There's a fan that's late to the game that day. And he shuts his car door in the parking lot and all he hears is a roar. And he knows that he missed something big. So he sprints into the ticket gate, shows his ticket, sprints down to his seat. The whole crowd is going crazy. And all he sees 
is the mosh pile at home plate after the home run. The goal for our team is to make that person who's late for the celebration. He has to say to his ticket people, his, his seatmates, who hit the home run? Because everybody looks happy. That's the key. Because then you have Mudita. But if you have one person that's like, oh, shoot, I'm never going to play. That was, my, that was my position. And maybe they stayed at the end of the dugout or whatever it is. Um, that's not a good thing. So uh, there's a thing going around uh, on Twitter and Instagram that says, um, until it's my turn, I will keep clap clapping happily for others. Basically, Mudita. Okay. Until it's my turn. Uh, the key word on all that was happily, though, because um, I was an education major at Northern Iowa in one of my uh, educational foundation classes uh, when I was a junior. The professor told us the story of a first grade class. And the teacher um, was fake a lot. She, she kind of skated her way through. And the kids, first graders, could tell when she was faking it, if she was genuine or not. So, and I tell my team this as well, if a first grader can tell when their, their teacher is faking it, you don't think that you each, each other can tell when somebody's faking, you know, the happiness for your success? Absolutely. So if, if, if you're going to fake it, just don't do it at all because everybody's going to know it. So um, it's really fun to watch. And, you know, I've had fans uh, tell me from day one, the number one reason why they like to watch us play is because we're all happy. And, you know, as a person that's going to pay money to watch somebody play a sport, you don't want to watch Debbie the Downer. You want to watch somebody that's smiling and happy and having fun, right? So it goes, it, it goes uh, really, really far in our program. And um, I think it's one of the coolest things that you can get on a team, you know, and when you get it, um, everybody understands. And I think the hardest part probably, um, you know, for a high school team would probably be the parents. The kids would probably be fine. If you can get the parents to buy into it, you got it made because then it's like, oh boy, you know, um, and I told this story before, but one year we have our uh, softball bank at the end of the year. And we had one of the senior parents, a mom, she spoke. And right off the bat, you know, I was hoping she would do a good job, but you never know. You know, it's like, you're thinking, oh God, because her daughter was a role player. And, you know, I'm giving her full reign to say what she wants. And one of the first things she says was, if you can't be happy for a teammates or a, another kid's uh, success, you're in the wrong spot. So if another girl hits a home run, you cheer just as loud as if it was your daughter. And I mean, I was just like, drop the mic, right? And I've never been more proud of a parent than I was in that. Um, and they never missed a game in four years, home or away. And that, that was exactly, yeah, they, they were just great, great people but they understood they got it and then the other thing i meant to say at the beginning of all this was you need to explain what the bigger picture is when you talk about mudita because the bigger picture is 40 years of their life not just three years of playing high school baseball or four years of playing college softball or whatever it is because that's gonna you're gonna run out of time as an athlete but you're gonna have 40, 50 more years of your life to live, to use these um, life lessons throughout your life. And obviously, you know, it, it, it could go for somebody um, in a job who gets a um, promotion. You know, are you happy for them and their success as if it was yours or are you jealous? So it goes a long, long ways. It's just not sports. It could go into your uh, professional life as well but encourage them to see the bigger picture because when somebody sees the bigger picture, um, I think they'll get it. And that has to be the biggest reward out of this for, 
for you as, as a, as a human being, not just a coach is getting to guide these other human beings towards the rest of their life and using softball as a vehicle to help get them there and helping them understand these different life lessons that they're encountering right now that they're going to use in the future. So I, I just think that it is so profound to be able to, to use the, the word Mudita that, that, you know, that found you in a way to be able to build this culture and direction and foundation of, of your program and kind of leads me right into to my next question. And, and just being with, with the college athletics, you know, and athletes filtering in every year and, and team dynamics changing constantly, you know, how is your program remain so stable? I know Mudita can go a long way, but you know, with, with personalities and just life itself, you know, how, how have you guys remained so, so stable year in and year out? Well, I think it's number one, it's the kids you recruit is, you know, we, we had 23s in this fall and, you know, parents say the same thing to me, you know, how do we know you're going to be successful in five years, you know, and obviously nobody really does, but um, I always say is why would I change what I'm doing in terms of who we're recruiting and the way we do it? Cause you know, it, we had a reunion a couple of years ago and there were some kids from 2008, 2009. I mean, all throughout our program, but there was a young lady that graduated in 2015. And at one point she looked at the, the older um, ladies and said, I feel like you guys played with us. And they all started laughing because it was like this um, personality carried on throughout, you know, like a 15 year period. And, you know, we, we recruit kind of the same type of kid, right? I mean, uh, happy go lucky, good attitude, good character, you know, um, it just kind of goes that way. So why would I change that part of the puzzle? I wouldn't. Um, but I also think that, you know, on the field, things like that, hitting, fielding, whatever. Um, we try to be abreast of everything that's cutting edge and new stuff, and we don't want to get left behind. So we got to do our homework in that respect too. But, um, you know, we try to do something different every single year that, you know, maybe kids that hadn't seen it for three years, she's a senior now, and she's like, wow, what was that? And, and just little things like that. Um, I read a book on Disney um, a couple years ago and it it's, and I, I wish I had it. I, I brought like six of my favorite books that I was going to tell everybody, but, um, it's a small book and you can probably get it on Amazon. It's about 120 pages and it's about the service industry and how Disney does it. But one of the things I learned was, um, Disney calls it a moment of wow. So it was described as, um, every quarter they have new employee orientation. And there's a lot of people that work at Disney, right? And one of the main negative responses they got from their customers was, and their customers, it's usually a family of four, two kids, mom and dad, right? That's the average customer for Disney. So they go to the parks and it's all day long and it's 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. They get back on this trolley and they go from the trolley to the train, to the trolley, to another train, to a bus. And finally they get to their hotel. And when they get to their hotel, the mom and dads are just exhausted. All they want to do is go get a margarita and the kids are crying and they're tired and screaming and whatever. Right. So one of the executive vice presidents asked this new employee orientation, how could we make that a little better? What could we do to get rid of all those like negative barriers that the family feels when they leave a park? So there was a very uh, innovative um, housekeeper and her name was Helen and it was her first day on the job and she was at new employee orientation and she listened. So the first night that she had turned down service and obviously it's one of the nicer hotels at Disney and she comes in about seven or eight and she turns down um, the bedspread, um, puts two chocolates on each pillow. If they had slippers, she puts slippers by the edge of the bed, puts the robe out, makes it really nice right well she noticed everywhere in this room was stuffed animals of every disney character mickey minnie pluto you know you name it everywhere on the floor was stuffed animals and she thought 
what the heck? So she picked up every one of those stuffed animals and she tucked them neatly into the two beds, okay? So there was like six animals in one bed and six animals in the other. It was a two queen bed uh, bedroom. So at 10 o'clock when the family comes home and the two kids and they open the door and they're screaming and yelling and you know, they're tired and mom and dad again, you know, they don't want to deal with anything. The two kids run around the corner and they see the animals in bed and it looks like they're, you know, actually sleeping. The son says, wow, mom, dad. And of course, mom and dad come running around the corner because they don't know what the kids saw. And here's all their stuffed animals sitting in bed. And it just completely like took everything away from the parents. All the negatives that they were about to experience just went away. And it was a moment of wow. It didn't cost a penny, right? One person thought of it, just saw them on the floor, decided to tuck them into bed, okay? So that's what I try to do. I try to create moments of wow on a weekly, sometimes daily, you know, basis for our kids. Sometimes it doesn't cost a penny. Sometimes it might cost something. Um, and then when I tell the story, I suggest to the players that they also try to create moments of wow. And I had a, a assistant AD. I went to dinner with uh, somebody the other day and we were um, with like four or five other people. And um, the assistant AD told the other people, you will know when you meet a softball player from Alabama for the first time, her handshake is the best. And one of the things I learned at that conference in College Station was there's eight steps to a professional handshake. So that's the first thing we teach our kids every single year. And when COVID came, I was so scared that we were never going to shake a hand again because that's one of the biggest things that they learned. I was like, oh my gosh. Um, you know, I don't think there's eight steps to a professional fist bump, right? But, um, and it created a moment of wow for this administrator. So I love that she affirmed the fact that it was a good handshake and you can tell. So, you know, that, that didn't cost a, a dime. It takes five minutes to go over the handout and then we actually practice the handshakes. So little things like that, they go a long, long ways. Right. I mean, it, especially because it's taking care of the people within the ship and, and making them feel appreciated. And, you know, many times what we talk about when when we start getting into mindfulness training or the reasoning between doing some of these things is we don't know where these kids are coming from before they got to us at practice or a team meeting or anything like that and if you're able to bring a wow moment that costs nothing but thought and intention and care you, you change an entire course of a person's attitude of what they might have otherwise been coming into that meeting and realizing that, Hey, they're, they're in a place in an environment of, of care and comfort and where they can, you know, seek to be growing their best. So coach, I, I got to tell you, I'm going to be taking a few of these things that you've, <laughs> you've talked with us today and, and implementing, uh, implementing them into, uh, you know, some practices ourselves. And I wanted to actually go back to the, uh, the intangible thing real fast, if you don't mind. And, uh, you know, Jason had asked, uh, are the coaches involved in the intangible exercise? Sometimes they are. Uh, the managers are definitely involved because we usually have three to four managers every year. Uh, this year we have uh, two gentlemen and a, a young lady, um, but they're always asked. Um, so they definitely do. And, you know, I was uh, talking to a high school base a baseball coach from uh, Birmingham one year, and uh, he did this um, activity with his kids, his, his uh, high school baseball players. And he has this huge dry erase board. So every kid came up and wrote his intangible on the, the dry erase board. And then the coach said, do not erase, you know, in big letters, because the custodian could come by and erase it. Well, this high school baseball coach has two sons that are nine and seven. And they happen to be at practice that day. So when the last high school kid goes up and writes his intangible, the nine-year-old says, it just Dad, can I, can I give mine? So a nine-year-old goes up. And then what does the seven-year-old want to do? 
can I get mine? So he sent me a picture of, you know, this dry erase board and you could tell the two sons. And I think one wrote energy and one wrote passion. So it was really cool. That's, that's fun. That's profound. And, and I, I'm just taking away too much as, as a, as a person myself and just, you know, I, I don't know if you got any uh, room for a 34 year old guy on your softball team, but <laughs> Hey, can you run or hit? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can, uh, I, I can run one uh, 60 feet. I could probably do actually but yeah. for myself, but well, um, yeah, exactly. Hey, um, can I get to Chris's question? Please, please. So Chris, I'll give you the six books. So I don't know if anybody's read this. It's called the four agreements. And as you can see, 120 pages, um, one of the best books I've read. I wish I would have read it as a teenager, um, but I give my freshmen this book every single year. And we actually have a book club and we go to a Starbucks um, close to campus. And every Sunday night we go over, there's four agreements. Um, if you have a daughter, if you're going to coach females, this is another big one. So strong fathers, strong daughters. Uh, it's written by a, a, a lady that um, she's a medical doctor, learned a lot from her dad. And then I'm sure you guys have read this culture code, Daniel Coyle. That's probably my all time go to for culture. Gen Z unfiltered. Um, and this is a gentleman that I've learned a lot from Tim Melmore. He's a uh, also an educational uh, psychologist from Atlanta area but he comes um, and works with Alabama athletes and coaches. And he's, this is one of the best resources. He's got great, great stuff. And then I don't know if you've heard of this before, the boy, the mole, the fox and the horse. And if you have young kids, it might be a really good book to read to them. But even if you have teenagers and the author is uh, from England and he illustrates everything, um, just a really, really good book, little, like little life lessons throughout this whole book. This actually was from one of my former players. Um, and she didn't realize that I had bought like 15 copies to send to, to people with kids. So, and then Joan Ryan is a, the author of this. This is, this goes along with what I was talking about earlier, um, intangibles. And it is, there's a lot of, um, San Francisco giants, references because she I think she lives in San Francisco so um really 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 good and just things that um you know you probably have thought of but it's just like man some good stuff in there so and then there's a, a um article um in the Players Tribune and it was called um I gotta think of it um Casey let me think uh, it was an article about a gentleman that um, got called up. He was a rookie with the San Francisco Giants. And um, he took the place of a gentleman that was already playing, and his name was Casey McGee. I don't know if you guys have read it, but it's one of the best uh, articles that you can find um, about Mudita, really, from a professional um, person. I'd love to meet him because uh, he'd fit in with our group. Tremendous. Um, what do you think? While you look for that, I just wanted to, you know, thank you for sharing those uh, those six books for us because essentially, what I really view, you know, pursuit for purpose as is is a glorified club, <laughs> a glorified book club, self development club, you know, personal development, self growth, and, and ultimately, it really just seems like you guys are growing as people inside your ship at the University of Alabama so much as as human beings and your sport kind of has no choice but to come along because if you're pouring yourself into yourself as a person then how how are you not going to pour that same energy back into the other areas that you you care about so i i think that's that's too awesome and and one thing that i would uh you know i'll make this week as the actionable recommendation is get one of those six books and and get to reading and and make that something on your list, get to growing and, uh, and trying to see if that's something that can, can help you out, uh, in, 
any of your pursuits. And, and I already got a couple of these different ones underlined that I'll be uh, getting on Amazon here pretty quick and purchasing. So appreciate those shares. And, and I know uh, with some of the technical difficulties, we're running a little bit longer. Uh, so if anybody had a, a question or two that they wanted to ask, uh, feel free to put it in the chat for us, please, today. And, uh, you know, my last question that I had for Coach for myself was, Coach, what's your purpose? I, I would say uh, to provide the best possible experience for a collegiate softball player that she can have. Uh, when, they, when they graduate and they say, this is the best decision I've made in my life, it's worth every ounce of work, sweat, tears, everything. And uh, we've been lucky that we've had that said to us a lot. Um, but that's what I try to do. I try to create the best possible experience on and off the field you know, for a four-year career because, you know, there's not much in pro softball. And once they're done with us, that's it. So I want them to say nothing but good things when they leave here. That's awesome. And and I think that's something that as most of us coaches, we we genuinely would like to, to hear back uh, just as a, a knowledge of the work that we poured into these people, that, that there's some something there. And and if not, you know, I, I still would like to hear what what would you like to have had improved upon? And because I, I do want to continue these relationships in a positive manner. And and I'm still young in my coaching journey where I haven't quite gotten to that spot where it's coming. The circle's coming back around and they're thanking you for the things that they learned 10 or so years ago. I'm sure that's, you know, all where, where there, there's a, a ton of, give back at this point from the experiences that you gave to these girls 20 years ago are now pouring back into the program now and continuing to build that confidence of the girls that are in it right now. And that they know that they want to be those girls 20 years from now, pouring back into the school that gave them so much. So uh, I think it is just such an awesome, 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 just experience of life that you've gotten to take in for yourself of getting to be in one place in one time as we know in the in in the sports world right now um, how easy it is to move how easy yeah. it is to go on but for yourself to stick into a place for so long and really build something we don't get to see that that much anymore and so i i man i think that's just so awesome for you as a person that that you have that experience within your heart it's not even for anybody else. That's that's for you and your growth and your feet are planted. Truly, you know, we talk about be where your feet are. Uh, I'm pretty sure after you know 24 years for yourself, 25 years, you've you're you're where your feet are at right now, and it's truly been a testament as to why the people have been they've come in and gotten the experience that they have because everybody's there, everybody's present, and and realizes that this moment right now is is the moment that leads to the next moment and the one beyond it. And we can't get to the future unless we go through this uh, present moment right here, right now. So uh, I, uh, I've, I've taken away too much from you as, as a person today. And I just look forward to, you know, watching softball this year because I've gotten a chance to, to, you know, see you at the dugout chat or something, get a chance to speak with you now, read a little bit about you. It's, it, it, it just makes me excited that I'm more in this for, following people than I am a particular sport. And, you know, I'm going to root for the good people as they go. And we, we had one question um, that somebody wanted to ask, can you, can you share some, some uh, <laughs> uh, okay, let's see what yes. we got. Yeah. It's the um, questions I asked a recruit and I, I messaged Dominic. Right. I said, I'll, I can send them to him over an email. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. And I think that that's awesome. And well, if anybody else didn't, didn't have a, a question or if a uh, coach, if you didn't mind, if they unmute, unmuted and asked themselves, it's all coaches right here. Um, I, I don't want to take advantage of, of your time. I know we're already over the hour that I told you that we would be, but uh, did anybody else have anything before I get towards, uh, towards wrapping us up here today? I just want to make sure, you know, I know that you guys probably realize this, but what you teach will be passed on. And the other day, I, um, I got a text message from one of my former players, and she said, um, at the, the letter said, passing it down. And then about four or five seconds later, here comes a picture. And the picture was of her four-year-old son 
at the kitchen table and he had crayons and he was writing his thank you cards for his Christmas presents. And that's one of the, the, the things I try to teach my kids is how to write a proper thank you note, not a text, not a direct message, not an email, not a Facebook post, but actually write it and send it through, you know, the mailbox. And sometimes I even have to tell him what a stamp is and how much it costs. <laughs> but she had passed it down to her son and he was writing his thank you cards. So they do remember things that you teach them. And it will be passed on from generation to generation. Always remember that. And hopefully it's something positive. Right. Right. That's awesome. Coach, uh, I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to be with us, for uh, wading through some uh, technical difficulty waters for ourselves and, and everybody else that, uh, had, you know, bared with the process as well, too. I can't, can't thank you guys enough for being a part of everything and, and just getting to join in some conversation. And, you know, I'll kind of leave you with the, the quote that I had, I had seen for myself and it, it's simple. It's from John C. Maxwell. This talent is a gift, but character is a choice. And I really think that goes a long way with, with where we get into college sports when we have to start learning how to separate from where we've come from, from our talent, and start really recognizing that it is much more about life's journey than it is about the sport that we are playing. And I, I hope that all, all of us here on this call, anybody that happens to listen to this at a, at a different time, we're all people that likely care a little bit more about where these kids grow into as human beings more than the wins and losses that we end up collecting. And I, I really hope that character and fundamentals, values and principles can be something that is at the forefront of what we're guiding these kids towards being, because it, that is going to be the true mark of everything is can we help people become contributors to society and at the end of the day i feel like that's the answer you know can can we make a difference in the world through sports and i believe the answer is yes coach thank you so much for your time everybody thank you so much for being on it, it's been an honor to speak with uh such a legend in the in the game of softball and again i'm not lying when i say i'll be watching some alabama softball this year Hey, have a great year, everybody. Good to see you. I appreciate it. Have Thanks, a great Coach. one, everybody. Take care of yourself. Take care.